Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen and amen. So you can be seated. Campuses, you're probably already seated. 12 Stone Home, you can grab a seat. Welcome to 12 Stone. Y'all awake and alive this morning? Y'all good? Let me hear it. Across the campuses, welcome. Hopefully, you're not dead and tired. Hopefully, you're awake as well on this awesome Memorial Day weekend, and we're, we're just grateful that we get to live in this country, and we're grateful for all those who laid their lives down. We are so grateful that we have a king who laid his life down as well, and so we say thank you, and we'll celebrate that more as the, as the day goes by, but man, we're so glad that you're with us this weekend. You're going to be glad that you're here. See, we're inside of a series that we're sort of calling un- Unchanging. What is the truth that, that we, we grab hold of that, that we will not be shaken from, that we will not change with the tides of culture? See, it feels like every five years we reinvent the next layer of what is truth. You've seen it happen. Like, that used to be bad, and now it's good. That used to be good, and now it's, it's bad. People are getting wiped off the map because they said something that used to be good, and now is bad. How do you, how do you, you maneuver your way through a world where ch- changing, the, the truth is changing over and over? It's so complicated. In fact, it's why we started this series in the first place, because we want to deliver the core truth that you can build your life on, the anchor points you can actually build your life on, truth that will never change. In fact, here is uh, the portion of the Nicene Creed we're going to be using today. See, the creed was written back in 325 AD in the early church, and we're using the Nicene Creed as a roadmap for us, where instead of reading through every word of Scripture, we sort of, the early church fathers pulled the core truths and said, if I was to take all of Scripture and put it into sort of a one-page document, here's the truths we would build our life on, and here's the truth for today. We believe also in one universal apostolic and holy church. That's where PK was last weekend. Today, in one baptism, in repentance for the remission and forgiveness of sins. One baptism. See, what we're going to do today is we're going to unpack the two sacraments that we celebrate as a church. See, maybe... Maybe you grew up in a different sort of sect of Christianity or a different denomination or a different religion, maybe. And they would have five, six, seven sacraments, perhaps. We believe that sacraments can only be created by Jesus, and he gave us two of them, baptism and communion. And so as we read the creed for today, we said, let's, let's expand from just baptism, and let's unpack the two sacraments that we would, would remember and partake in here at 12 Stone. And so we decided that we're going to help us understand what is communion? Like we take it multiple times a year, we receive communion, but what is it? Where does it come from? You see baptisms and we clap and celebrate, but what's the meaning behind baptism? We hope you leave today with a deeper understanding of the two sacraments we celebrate. And to help bring the word, I get to introduce you to a dear friend, Pastor Steve Walton. Steve, would you come up? Give it up for Pastor Steve. Here across the campuses. It's almost like they know you. Yeah, I think so. I they think might. they do. <laughs> I, I've known you for, what's that, been a decade now you've almost been on staff? Almost a decade, yeah. And Steve started as a resident up at Flowery Branch at campus. Branch. Shout out to Flowery Branch. You made some music videos. Let's go ahead and play that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please no. We're not going to play no. those yeah. today. Uh, then you then you, heard, then you actually came on staff at Flowery Branch, then That's came here right. to Sugarloaf. That's and right. And they know you well here at Sugarloaf. 
good to be back with you. It's good. Absolutely. It feels like a family reunion. And That's then you, you jumped in and you were the campus pastor and are the campus pastor at our Buford campus. Yes. Shout out to Buford campus. There we go. Um, and many, there's some Buford folks here. And then the campuses that feel left out. We love you too. Just Steve <laughs> hasn't right. been there That's right. before. I'll never forget the day though. You remember the day where we announced you at Buford? And we yes. brought you and Catherine. Actually, let's, yeah. let's throw a pic of your family up there. There's a picture of our family. We got Catherine, and then that's Judah, my five-year-old, and Anchor, our two-year-old, right there. So your so, hands are full. So our hands are full. So we brought you and Catherine up on stage, and Catherine's here, and she's probably hanging her head right now. <laughs> so we brought you up on stage. We introduced you. The place went crazy. And then you were holding, was it Judah you were holding? Yeah, so we thought it'd be a good idea to bring the whole family, um, which, and at that time, three years old and one year old, and that was not smart. And honestly, we were worried about the one-year-old. We were like, he's going to go crazy on Correct. stage. Judah's going to be fine. False. Turns out, <laughs> turns out Judah was not okay. So he was crawling all over me while I'm trying to introduce myself to the Buford family, and Judah's just going he's losing wild. His mind. That's right. Literally, you're like, and so thanks for being here. And he's like, ah! <laughs> so here's what I do. I walk over and say, hey, give me Judah. I give and you in your Judah. Head, you're going, you don't know what you're in for. That's right. I grabbed him, and that kid, I baby whispered him. You did. Like, he got silent immediately, and I was just like, got him. Knocked it dead. He went silent, and then you got to do your thing. I had to hand it back. And here's the deal. Yeah. I got three kids. That's right. Once you guys have three kids, which you're expecting soon. That's right. We're expecting. Congratulations. So there we go. Once you get there, once we get there, I'll give you the secrets of how to be the baby whisperer. Okay, but good. Not you have I need three it. Kids. We need right. it. <laughs> so would you help me welcome Steve, man? Bring us the word today, hey, man. We thank love you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about communion and baptism. And listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, today is going to be so rich because we're going to dive into the depth and clarity and meaning behind why we do what we do. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think today is going to be so good for you because you're going to see how intentional God has been throughout history. Now, um, here's the deal. When we talk about communion and baptism in these sacraments, um, I know that the temptation is for us to look at those things like they're just some empty ceremony, just some, some ritual, just kind of going through the motions. But I'm telling you, all of that changes when it gets personal. And uh, here's what I mean. Um, you might remember growing up, going to weddings. I remember, you know, as a kid, I'd go to weddings with, with, with my family. And to be honest, I didn't really care about what was happening on stage. It was just kind of some empty ceremony as far as I was concerned. In fact, when I was a teenager, the only thing I cared about uh, was really one thing, which was the food. Um, that's really all I cared about. Like, I want to go to the wedding for the food. Like, y'all do whatever you want to on stage. But my real question is, is it going to be like the dry chicken or some good steak? You know, it's like, what kind of, what kind of food are we going to have? Uh, but all of that changed when it, was, when it was my wedding. Like, then it became personal and Every, every moment matter. Um, see, Catherine and I got married 14 years ago. Here's a picture from our wedding day. Look at that. Catherine looks beautiful. Um, I look like I got the Lego man haircut. Um, so it's funny for you. I got to live with that, though. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. So that's See, but the deal is this. When it's your wedding day, every moment matters. You probably don't remember your aunt's wedding, but I promise you, you remember yours. Because for your wedding, it was not ritual. It was personal. And I think God might want to lean in today and remind us that faith is not ritual. It is personal. 
And these sacraments, they're not ritual. They are deeply personal. So let's talk about the first sacrament. I want to talk about communion. Uh, communion is when we take the, the bread and the juice to remember the body and blood of Jesus. But here's why it's significant. See, thousands of years ago, before Jesus even, the people of God were enslaved in Egypt. And God wanted to send someone to rescue them from slavery in Egypt and bring them into the promised land. This person was going to go up to Pharaoh and ask for their release. And do you guys know who that is, by the way? As, yeah, it was Moses. Um, by the way, when I was a kid, whenever the preacher asked a question, the answer was always either Jesus or Moses. So you had like a 50-50 shot. Okay, so it was Moses. Moses went up to Pharaoh, and he did the whole let my people go thing. And then Pharaoh said, I'd rather not. And uh, so to convince Pharaoh to let his people go, God sent plague after plague after plague after plague until he sent the final plague, which was the death of the firstborn in all of Egypt. And God gave Moses specific instructions to give to the people of God and said to, to keep this from happening to your family and your kids. Here's what I want you to do. Take a pure, spotless lamb one without any blemish or defect, like, like the best lamb that you have, and I want you to sacrifice it. And I want you to take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorposts of your house. Kind of looking something like this. This is what it might look like. Put it on the doorposts of your house, and when you do that, when the angel of death comes, it will pass over your house, and your kids will be spared. But then here's what you got to do. You got to make sure to get all your provisions and get packed up and get ready to go because Pharaoh and all of his minions are going to be very upset that uh, this is happening and you're going to need to go. This is how God's going to rescue you from slavery in Egypt. So get all your stuff. If you want to make bread, you can do that, but you got to make it without the yeast because we have to go right now. And that's what began the rescue mission of God from slavery in Egypt into freedom. And ever since that moment, Jewish families would, would get together every year, once a year at Passover, and they would remember what God did, how God took the people of God from slavery in Egypt and brought them into the promised land. And so once a year, they would have this Passover meal and the family would get together. And then normally in the middle of this meal, there was a moment when the head of the table would say, now remember what God did for us. Remember how, remember how God, how he took the, uh, the blood of the spotless lamb and we put it on the doorposts. And when we did that, the, the angel of death passed over and we were spared. And then remember, remember how we had to make the bread uh, without any yeast. And, 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 and this represents that. And so I want you to remember, remember what God did for us. And year after year after year, Families would get together, Jewish families would get together, and they would remember what God did, and they would say, hey, this, this cup represents the blood of the spotless lamb, and then don't forget, this, this bread represents God's provisions to take you from slavery in Egypt into freedom, into the promised land. And for over a thousand years, this is what the Jewish people did, this is what the people of God did, right up until Jesus. And Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, it was actually Passover, so he looked at his followers and he said, hey, I want to have Passover with you. 
And so they got together in an upper room and, and they had a spread kind of like this. And in the middle of the meal, there was that moment. And listen, all the disciples, they grew up Jewish. So they knew, they knew the ordeal. They knew what Jesus was going to do. He was going to take this and say, hey, this represents the blood of the spotless lamb uh, so that the angel of death would pass over. And remember this, this represents the provisions that God gave you to take you from, from slavery into freedom. And then in this moment, Jesus did something unthinkable. He redefined Passover, and he made it deeply personal. He looked at his disciples and he said, this cup represents my blood for you. And this, this bread, actually, it represents my body, which is, which is going to be broken for you. Jesus was saying, listen, I, I, I am the spotless lamb. I am the one that will be sacrificed so that the angel, so that spiritual death will pass over your life. And listen, my body is going to be broken and I'm going to take you from spiritual slavery into spiritual freedom. This is about, this is about me. And this is deeply personal. This is not just going through the motions. This is, this is personal from a bloody doorpost to a bloody cross. From the sacrifice of an animal to the sacrifice of the very Son of God. This is not about Egypt. This is about Jesus. And Jesus redefined Passover. It's what we now celebrate as communion. And listen, I'll be honest. Like a lot of times we can, we can define communion the way that we want to define it. Right? I mean, maybe for you, depending on, depending on what faith tradition you grew up in. Maybe for you, communion is the thing that you do once, once a week, right? It's like it's part of the service, or maybe for some of you, it's just some empty ritual. You're not really sure why, why people do it. For others of you, you're like, that's a really sacred, special thing, and I'm not good enough to do that. And we define communion the way that we want to define it. And I think today, Jesus would lean in and say, don't define communion the way that you define it. Define it the way I define it. And listen, I redefined Passover and that's what communion is. Communion is not some empty ritual. It is deeply, deeply personal. See, this was redefined for the disciples. This was redefined for the Apostle Paul. That's why I think Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 11. This is what, this is what he said. He said, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body. This is so personal. This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant, not the old covenant, not the blood of the spotless lamb. It's my blood. This is so personal, my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you drink this bread and, uh, or eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, this is so personal. And so for me, every time I take communion, I, I, um, I exercise what I call holy imagination because I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. And Jesus actually had this moment with his disciples. The night he was betrayed, he literally did this. He looked at his disciples in the eyes and he said, this is my blood. This is my body for you. So I imagine what it would have been like to sit there with Jesus. And I imagine Jesus looking at me saying, Steve, come here. Steve, this is this is my blood, and it's for you. And Steve, come on, don't miss this. This is my body, and it's being broken, and it's for you. 
And what if for us, the next time we took communion, we exercised this, this holy imagination and we, we put ourselves in the place of the disciples? What if we heard Jesus say to us, hey, Andrew, this is my body broken for you. Jessica, come on. This is my blood that was shed for you. I'm telling you, this is not some empty ritual. It is so, so personal. It's personal for Jesus. It's got to be personal for us. In fact, Paul even set up some guardrails to make sure that it would be personal for us. Here's just the next couple of verses of 1 Corinthians 11. He says, everyone ought to examine themselves because, again, this is so personal. You need to look deep within yourselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. See, this is why every time a pastor like me stands up on stage and we have communion, we normally say something like, hey, this is only for those of you that have trusted Jesus as Savior, because this is personal. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, this moment isn't for you. But if you do, I'm telling you, this has got to be so personal for you. Because listen, it was not casual for Jesus to sacrifice himself for us. It should not be casual for us to remember what he did for us. This is also why some of you may have noticed whenever we, um, whenever we have communion, there's normally a moment where we say, okay, now it's time to receive you know, the, the uh, bread and the juice. And you see a lot of Christians stay seated, and it looks like maybe they're praying. Well, listen, the reason, the reason that we do that is because of this verse. See, they're doing what this verse talks about. They are examining themselves. For me, every time I take communion, before I go up to the table and I take the bread and take the juice, I normally have this conversation with God. I say, God... Is there anything in me that's off? Like, is there any relationship that needs mending? Is there any sin that is unconfessed? Is there any forgiveness that I need to give? Any bitterness that I'm holding on to? I'm saying, God, I want you to look deep within me because this is so personal. So God, before I go to the table, before I remember the sacrifice that you made for me, I want to make sure, God, you and I are good. And if there's anything in the way, please, please let me know. And I'm telling you, this is not ritual. This is so this is so personal. For me, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like renewing our vows, right? Catherine and I got married 14 years ago, but um, this past February we renewed our vows. Some of you did the same thing. We, you know, we turned on the TV and uh, it was at night, so the kids were already in bed. And Catherine and I were like, "This will be fun. We're going to renew our vows," and 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 we started like we started weeping. And at one point we were crying and laughing because we were so surprised by how emotional we were getting. We were like, we didn't expect this to happen. We're watching PK on a screen and we're crying now. Like what on earth? What's going on? But here's why. It's because we started thinking about our history together. We started thinking about the 14 years that we've shared. And then I looked at her and I said, I'm, I'm more committed to you now than ever before. And this was so personal. And I think for us, when we take communion this is for us to remember the history of what God did for us, the price that he paid for us. And it is to look at him and go, God, I want you to know I am in now more than ever. So if there's anything that's in the way, God, I want you to get rid of it. I want you to clear it out. If there's any sin I need to confess, if there's anything in the way, God, I want to make sure you know my vows are renewed to you. Communion's like renewing our vows. And this is why we do it multiple times a year. Because we want to renew our vows to the Lord. Say, God, I want you to know I'm still in. I'm all in. And I remember. I remember what you did for me. So that's communion. And that's why it's so meaningful for us. That's why there's so much depth to it. 
So that's one sacrament that we do multiple times a year, but there's another sacrament that we do once in a lifetime, and that is baptism. Or um, as my son calls it, he calls it baptism, which I think, that's a, that's a good word for a five-year-old. Like, I think he actually gets it, you know? So here's what I want to do. I want us, because we're not five years old, I want us to move from like an introductory kind of baptism understanding to baptism. Like, what is baptism, and why is it such a big deal? Because, listen, part of the reason I know it's a big deal is because it's in the creed. Like, it made it to the creed. This is, this is the line. Jason already read it. In one baptism, there's that word, for the, uh, or in repentance for the remission and forgiveness of sins. Right? I mean, this is, remember, the creed, um, back, in, back in 325 AD, they took the whole of Scripture and they condensed it down to a few hundred words. And these words had, had big implications. This was, man, we were talking about the Trinity. We're talking about the church. We're talking about end times. We're talking about all these big topics. And baptism made the cut. Like, it's one of the words that was included in the creed. So why is this such a big deal? Well, here's, here's where baptism got started. See, for thousands of years, the Jewish people were familiar with ceremonially washing things. It was always very, very sporadic, especially when it came to ceremonially washing someone. Um, it was always just kind of, it was, it was a little random until a guy named John came along. And John was the first person that like washed people um, over and over and over again. Like people were lining up to get dunked in the Jordan River by John, like I like to think of it this way. John, John is the one that uh, made baptism cool. You know, he like kind of put it on the map. It wasn't really a thing until, until John. In fact, he made it like he was so famous for this. They gave him a nickname and they called him John the, you know, what it is. Yeah. John, the, John the Baptist, um, which by the way, that's not because he went to first Baptist Jerusalem. That's because like he was like famous for baptizing people. And so he would, he would baptize people and listen, um, uh, you would have loved John. Like John was eccentric. Okay, so let me let me give you kind of the full picture. Okay, you got to imagine 28 AD. All right, um, the Jordan River, just north of the Dead Sea, right along the West Bank, uh, looking looking something like this. There was this guy named John, and again, John was like. John was cray cray, okay, because John wore, he wore camel hair and he ate locusts, which is really disgusting. And also I'm like, you know, with the camel hair, I've always wondered like, John, where'd you get the camel hair from? And where was that camel that you rode in on? You know what I mean? It's like, I was, anyways, that's not in scripture, but, but here's John, he's eccentric and he's shouting to anyone who will listen. And this is what he was saying. He was saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And then he added to that this message. He said, I want you to know, heritage is no longer enough. Like whatever family you grew up in, it's no longer enough. I don't really care what your parents' faith was, your grandparents' faith was. This is personal. So for you, you need to repent. It's not about what your family's doing. It's not about your lineage. It's not about what 23andMe says. This is between you and God. It is so personal. So you're the one that needs to repent for the kingdom of God is here. And then John went even further. He said, and if you're in, like if you're ready to repent personally, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in the Jordan River and I want you to get dunked by me. So again, this is like, this was not ritual at all. John understood faith is not ritual. It is 
personal. Oh my gosh, it's so personal. This wasn't happening in a church. This wasn't happening in a synagogue. This was happening along the West Bank on the Jordan River with some guy wearing camel hair. Where'd the camel hair come from? And eating locusts. And here he is saying, I want you to get in the water. And John knew that this, this was so personal. But not only that, faith is personal, but it's not private. Because for you to do this, for you to get baptized by John, you had to stand there in front of everyone. And by the way, there was a lot of people coming out to see John. And you had to go in that water. And you had to be up in front of everyone as you went public with your faith. See, John knew that what's on the inside has to get outside. And when it comes to our faith, it can't just be private. It has got to be public. This this is where baptism got started. But that's not why we baptize people today. The reason we baptize people today is because of what happened next. Here's what happened next in John chapter 1. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God, which side note, remember, Lamb of God, sacrifice for us, blood of the spotless Lamb. Here's John leaning into that same language. Says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John was looking at Jesus and said, this is the guy I've been talking about. I've been saying the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand because Jesus is at hand because Jesus is near. And this is the one I was talking about. He is the lamb of God. He is the son of God. He is the Messiah. It's all about him. And so then John looked at Jesus as Jesus started coming into the water and the tension began to rise because, because John looked at Jesus and said, I can't baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. I'm not, I'm not worthy to do that. He went even further. He said, I don't even deserve to untie your sandals. You're the son of God. And, and, and Jesus didn't disagree, but he set an example for us. He said, no, I need to be baptized because I want people to see that faith is personal, but it's not private. That what happens on the inside, it has got to get outside. And so Jesus was baptized by John. And we don't have time to go into this, but I'm telling you, it was so incredible. When Jesus was baptized, the voice of God, the Father, was actually heard audibly. And it says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And so right here at Jesus' or, or, uh, baptism, you have the Father, and then you have the Son and the water and the Holy Spirit. You have the Trinity right here in Jesus' baptism. So Jesus was baptized, and then Jesus' disciples were baptized, and then Jesus' disciples began baptizing people. Only this time, they didn't baptize in the name of John. They baptized in the name of Jesus. See, because faith had to get public. And then right at the end, um, Jesus laid down his life. Good Friday. He rose again. Happy Easter. And then he was, he, was, he was with his followers for about 40 days in his resurrected body. And then right before he ascended into heaven, these were like, this was like his famous last words. This was the last charge that he gave to his disciples. It was this. Therefore, go. Here's what I want you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. And then what's that word? Baptizing. His last words. He said, I want you to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which was present at Jesus' baptism and is present at every single baptism. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey 
um, everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And ever since this moment, followers of Jesus have been getting baptized and baptizing other people. Because faith, faith is not just some ritual. It is, it is so personal and it's personal, but it is not private. What's on the inside, it, it always has to get outside. And so for me, when I think of baptism, um, I think of it kind of like, like a wedding ring. Um, when, when my wife and I got married, I, I put a ring on her finger. She put a ring on my finger. And, uh, you know, I liked it, so I put a ring on it. So um, anyways, I put a ring on her finger. And um, I, I just took off my wedding ring. Am I still married? Yes. Uh, of course I am. I'm in trouble, but um, I'm, I'm still married. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it back on. Uh, the reason I'm still married is because the ring doesn't, doesn't make me married. It's the way that I show people that I'm married. So that every time someone walks by me and they see this ring, they see I'm in a committed relationship with someone for the rest of my life. This is my relationship with Catherine going public. So that everyone knows every time they see this, that's the relationship I'm committed to. And baptism is the same thing. Baptism doesn't make you saved. It's the way that you show people that you're saved. So that every time someone sees your baptism, they know you are in a committed relationship with your Savior, Jesus Christ, for the rest of your life. And so here's what we do at 12 Stone. Whenever we baptize people, you guys are probably familiar with this. Uh, we have this tub, and uh, all along the front of the tub, we have a bunch of graffiti. And um, the graffiti is, is, is people's names. And the reason we have their names is because this is, this is personal. It's you. It's your name. Um, so just for fun, is uh, Debbie Heston. Is Debbie Heston here? Or maybe at one of the campuses? Debbie, if you're at one of the campuses, I want you to stand up and like celebrate. Or if you're at home, like stand up and celebrate. Um, and I know you're a little embarrassed, but you already went public once. You can do it again. Okay, so go ahead and, and stand up. We're going to celebrate because Debbie went public in 2013 so that everyone would know that she's in a relationship with Jesus. That's why we put the names on the tub. And then we fill the tub um, with water, and the water represents the cleansing nature of what Jesus did for us. Right, The creed even mentions that for the, for the remission, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus has washed us from that. Um, whenever we baptize someone, we always share their story. And the reason we share their story is because this is so personal. It's got to be personal. And so we'll share their story. There's another reason that we share. Uh, in, in Revelation, um, the Apostle John said that we, as followers of Jesus, have overcome by two things. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I'm telling you, I think something powerful happens when you combine the sacrifice of Jesus with your personal story. I think faith explodes. So that's why we share, we share the story as you're going public with your faith. And then, we, um, and then we ask you two questions. We say, have you trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Remember, this is like the creed. Have you trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? And then we say, do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? Because this is your wedding ring. This is your vow moment. You're saying, I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. And then this is kind of neat. We, we, um, we lay you back into the water, and then we bring you up out of the water. And here's why we do that. This is like, this is like a water grave. And we lay you back into the water like you're dead and buried. And we bring you back up like you've risen again, just like Jesus rose again. All of this, I'm telling you, there is deep meaning to why we do what we do. 
And so we bring you up out of the water, and then people do exactly what you just did. They celebrate because all of heaven rejoices when even one person comes into the kingdom. And so we, as the family of God, we celebrate because we know what a big, big deal that is. And then the last step is we turn off the lights so that you can get out in privacy. And um, that's, that's, how we do, that's how we do baptism. See, this is, this is deeply personal, and it is very public. And there's a reason for it, because Jesus knew that that's how our faith is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be just checking some box. It's supposed to be public and very personal. And so here's how we want to wrap up today's service. Um, we've got the tub. We've got the water. Does anyone want to get baptized? I'm just kidding. We actually have someone that's it. You were like, I thought it was next week. Yeah, uh, open baptism is next week. But for this week, we've already got someone who's a good friend of mine from our Buford campus. So if I could have Corey and his family, come on up. And listen, as they're making their way up to the stage, um, we're going to share Corey's story. And this is, um, this is really special, Corey. Man, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Uh, what you guys don't know is that they were all planning on going on vacation this, this weekend. And we had actually scheduled a baptism for last week, which was going to be good. And I floated the idea to him. And they moved vacation to be baptized and to go public in front of all of you. Now, here's the deal. Some of you are like extroverted and you love the attention and you're like, I get it why he would do that. Some of you are like introverted and shy. You're like, I could never do that. Well, here's what you don't know about my friend, Corey. He is the introverted shy one. So he's loving this right now. This is like, but here's what he said to me. He said, um, following Jesus often requires me to get out of my comfort zone. So I want to do it in front of everyone. And I think that is just honor to you, man. I'm so, so proud of you. So let's, let's get you into the tub. I'll help you, help you in. And so Corey's here. And uh, just, just like we talked about before, he signed his name. I'm going to see if I can find it real quick. There it is, Corey Bird. So he put his name so that we'll always remember the day that he went public with his faith. And uh, he's in the water, and, and I've got his story, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Corey's story. He said, my faith story started when I was 16, and I began attending church with my friends. I grew up in a home with lots of love and great parents, but we never attended church, and God wasn't really discussed much at all. So by the time I was 16, I knew of God and was pretty sure my parents believed, but that was the extent of my knowledge of the Bible and Jesus. While attending a church service with friends, I accepted Jesus, but never really built a foundation in Christ. During my young adult life, I walked farther and farther from God. I entered into a marriage that wasn't centered on God and had children without the faith foundation. I was truly, I was truly walking down a path that would lead to disaster, and eventually it did. I walked through a long and very difficult divorce. I ended up a single father with three kids, and the problems continued to build up. From the outside, everything looked fantastic. In fact, people would even comment how proud they were or how good of a job I was doing. And all the while, I was falling down a pit of deep depression and crippling anxiety. I was trying to escape my feelings and reality through whatever means presented themselves. One night, I found myself sitting in a dark place at my breaking point, And I felt a voice telling me to get help and start repairing what was broken in me. I truly believe that was God planting the seed for me to change the trajectory of my life. Now, during that period of time, my kids kept asking to go to church, but 
but I wasn't ready. My anxiety about attending church was still too high. What would others think of me? I started dating Aaron, and one Sunday morning, early in our relationship, she said, we're going to church. You can pick where we go, but we are going today. And if you know her, you know she does not take no for an answer. So that day in October 2018, we walked into 12 Stone Church, and what a transformation I started seeing in myself and my family. We truly felt right at home and so welcomed. I started building a foundation of my faith and putting God in the center of my life. Aaron and I got married, and we worked to have a marriage rooted in Christ. We love seeing our kids get excited to come to church. I now actually seek opportunities to discuss Jesus. I even joined a men's small group so I'd have godly accountability. Our family, our faith, our health, and even our finances have been completely transformed through what God is doing at 12 Stone. And once I learned about baptism, I knew that God wanted me to go public with my faith, but I still had reservations and hangups. I'm too old to do that. My story isn't good enough. And the anxiety that was the loudest said, you're not a good enough Christian, and everyone knows it. But after praying for the better part of a year, I knew that's what God wanted for me, to step out of my comfort zone and push into things that would challenge me to be the man God has called me to be. So now I want to tell my church family and the world that I publicly proclaim my relationship with Jesus. Come on, man. Corey, I'm so proud of you. Your family's here to celebrate. Your church family is here to celebrate. And I have two questions for you. Have you trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Then it's my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. one more thing that happens every time someone goes public with their faith and it's what happens in you it's what's happening in this room right now we see someone go public and our faith explodes and we start to think about what God did for us right we start to think about our story we start to think about when we were baptized we start to think about how we've been transformed and rescued. And I think that's another reason Jesus set up baptism. It's kind of like um, whenever Catherine and I now go to a wedding, there's the moment when the couple is on stage and they're renewing their vows or they're having their vows for the first time and I'll, I'll reach over and I'll grab her hand and I'll look at her and and we'll remember that day for us. We start thinking about our history. And we start kind of having a mini renewal of our vows right there in the ceremony. See, something powerful happens when our faith goes from being, it's just me and Jesus, to our faith goes public. Because what's on the inside, it has to get outside. Which is why our faith, these sacraments, 
They're not just some ritual. They are so personal. And it's personal, but it's not private. So let me pray for us. So God, for us, would we never lose the wonder of what you did for us. And every time we see a baptism and every time we take communion and every day that we walk with you, would we remember what you have done for us? My Savior, who would be the spotless lamb for me, who would sacrifice himself for me. I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. God, every time we celebrate a baptism, I celebrate, God, look at what you've done in my life. I love you and I'm so grateful uh, uh, for you and I'm more committed to you now than ever before. God, would you raise our faith, all of us in this room, at home, at the campuses, God, would you raise our faith as we trust you more each and every day. God, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we we thank Steve here and across our campuses? Thank you, my brother. Well done. Well done. And some of y'all are like, all right, let's take communion. Let's do baptism, right? How do you sit in that teaching and and just go, well, see you later. We're going to do that, but it's going to happen next weekend. Let me explain what's about to happen. See, next weekend, we're finishing this series. We've walked through the unchanging truths of through the Nicene Creed, and next weekend, we finish it. And we finish it with the topic of heaven, which is the biggest party you've ever seen. And so we're going to get a little slice of that party next weekend, because here's what we're going to do. During the worship set, we're going to receive communion together. And after that teaching, Steve, thank you, man. You're going to understand, maybe for the first time, maybe just in a deeper way, what communion's all about. So next weekend, we're going to do that during the worship set. And then after the teaching across the campuses at 12 Stone Home Groups. We're going to have open baptism. It's going to be a party in the parking lot. It's going to be outside. We're going to have stuff for the kids. It's going to be a blast. And we're going to celebrate. Now listen, maybe you sat through Corey's story and the Spirit of God just sort of tapped you on the shoulder and said, I've never been, you've never been baptized. It's time to get obedient. It's time to take what is private and personal and take it public. Next weekend's going to be your weekend. And as the campus pastors are stepping up across the campuses, as David and Jeremy are getting ready to jump in for home, we want you to know, next weekend, maybe you've not been back to church at Alive or Home yet, this is going to be a phenomenal weekend. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a party, the likes of which we've not seen since pre-COVID. You're going to want to be a part of what God's doing. And now across the campuses and at home, Go ahead and give them some details about what next weekend's going to look like. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.